In the Old Testament, Joshua got tricked into making a covenant with the enemies of God's people. Here's Pastor Trent Griffith. So now he's got a predicament. That's what sin always does. It backs you in a corner where there are no easy answers. It ties knots that are hard to get out of. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. All of us can identify with that feeling of being backed into a corner by foolish choices we made or the enemy's lies that we've believed. Last week, Pastor Trent began exposing some of the lies the devil likes to tell us. Joshua was human just like we are. He fell prey to the lies of the enemy. So let's let his mistake serve as a lesson to us. With part two of the message from Joshua chapter nine, here's Pastor Trent. If you have faced any resistance in your onward progress toward God, it's probably because you have met three enemies of the Christian uh, individual. And the church of Jesus Christ faces these three. Here's the first one, the world. Here's the second enemy. It is called the flesh. Our flesh is the residual sin nature in us that has run ruts across our lives. It's habit patterns, it's ways of thinking that are not in line with Christ and it's so hard to jerk ourselves out of it. Anybody face any battles with the flesh this week? Yeah, well you've got another one. Not only the world, not only the flesh, anybody know this one? You know what's coming, right? What is it? The devil. And he is not to be joked about. He is not to be made fun of. He is a serious, formidable foe. Now, Satan disguises himself. He doesn't show up in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork. He wants you to believe he really has your best interest in mind. It's exactly what happened to Joshua. Joshua was deceived by this enemy that was trying to convince him, we are not a threat. There's five lies I want you to see here from this passage. Because Satan is still using them today. Here's the first one. Disobedience is harmless. And that's what these Gibeonites were trying to convince Joshua of. The enemy wants to present himself to you as harmless. They were saying, look how frail we are. I mean, we're just a bunch of vagabonds, and and we're not some big army trying to take you down. We're no match for you. You're so strong, and you're so powerful. You would defeat us if we tried to fight you. We don't want to fight you. We want to be friends, and we've come from such a long, long way away. The consequences of dealing with us are are so far off. Nothing's going to happen to you. There will be no harm caused in being friends with us. The enemy doesn't want you to know his true identity. We're not a threat. We're just a bunch of innocent, itty-bitty, teeny-weeny people. We just want to be friends. The enemy does, he, he wants to win you over with charm. Can't you see how hard we've tried to be friends? And, 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 and don't, you, don't you feel sorry for us? I mean, everybody else is so cruel and mean and hateful and bigoted. And, and they, they just want to destroy us. But you're not like that at all. You're so loving and tolerant and nice. Not like those rigid legalistic people that just want to keep all the rules. Those are the lies that Satan tries to convince you that there's no consequences or the consequences are so far off that there's no threat. 
we're charmed into thinking something so nice, something so funny, something so wonderful wouldn't deliver something that could be so devastating. Here's the truth. We need to replace the lie with the truth. The truth is this. Disobedience is devastating. It stops your progress with God. That's why some of you are not moving on with God. It's because you're playing around with things that are designed to defeat you. Here's the second lie. The fight isn't worth the effort. Notice in verse 6, they say, we want to make a covenant with you. We want to make peace. We want to be friends. I mean, you see all the worn out clothes and the worn out sandals. We're so worn out. we're, We're so worn out. We don't want to fight anymore. Aren't you... Aren't you worn out too? I mean, you've already had this strong battle with Jericho and this battle with Ai, and you've been fighting so long. And don't you just kind of want to take a break? You want to sit this one out? Let's not fight. Let's just be friends. And that's that's a lie that the enemy wants to tell you, that the Christian life is so hard Resisting temptation, obeying God is so hard. It's not worth the fight. I picked up Time Magazine this week. It's got one big word on the cover of it, porn. And the feature story in that magazine says this, the first generation to be raised on unlimited online pornography is now calling for young men to turn it off. Not on moral grounds, not because they want to honor God, but because this first generation whose brain has been fried by porn is now physically unable to have real sex. The lie is this, God wants to keep sex from you. The truth is this, God wants to keep sex for you. This generation that has indulged themselves on internet pornography, something has happened chemically in the brain that when they actually try to engage in sex with a real person, like a marriage partner, that's what God's design is, that they can't because this image, this lie, pornography is a lie, it's a fantasy world, has so affected the chemistry in the brain that they can't enjoy the good gift that God has given to a permanent married marriage couple to enjoy that marriage relationship. Listen, the devil will try to convince you that the fight against the temptation is not worth it. The truth is this. Every square inch of onward progress in the spiritual life is a battle fought by faith. Were you expecting the Christian life to be easy? The crosshairs of your enemy have landed on you. And the only way you go onward with God, the only way you glorify God, the only way that you leave a legacy to your children, the only way you enjoy the good gifts God wants to give you is by fighting against the strategy of the enemy. Here's the third lie. God's word can't be trusted. Look down here at um, verse 14. 
they continue this conversation. Finally, they get down to Joshua, and Joshua has to make a decision. It says here in verse 14, so the men took some of their provisions. Here's a worn out shirt. Here's a crumbling piece of bread. They took them, and it says, but they did not seek counsel from the Lord. They were so deceptive that they caused these people to get their eyes off of God and just assume that God was okay with it. That's the lie of the enemy. He wants to make you think God really is not that concerned with the choices you make. God really doesn't have any advice for you. God really doesn't give you any counsel. In fact, God had already given these people not only counsel but a command. The reality is they really didn't need counsel. They just needed to obey the command. Here was the command way back in Deuteronomy chapter 7. God told them this episode would take place. And he warned them. He said, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it and clears away the nations before you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them. Is there any ambiguity in that statement? Is that pretty clear? And yet here they are entering into a covenant, compromising the word of God. And in verse 14, it says, but they didn't seek counsel from the Lord. Listen, you should never seek counsel from someone who would give you counsel contrary to the commands of the Lord. So many people, we've got a wonderful soul care ministry around here. We're training up biblical counselors. We are a church of biblical counselors, not just a church with biblical counseling. And so we counsel one another in small groups. We counsel one another all the time. But there's still people that need to come in, and we have opportunity for people to sit with a counselor. But you might be a little surprised if you come to us for counseling because what we have discovered is a lot of people who seek counseling are not real interested in counsel. If you come and you say, what should I do? What you're going to hear us say is, um, here's our counsel, obey the command. That's our counsel. Well, can't we just kind of talk about it? Because that's kind of hard. And let's, surely there's a different... No, you just got to kind of obey the command. Well, that's hard. Yeah, it's hard. But it's the only way to victory. And what people want to think is somehow there's got to be a different way. This is just too hard. You can't trust God's word. And the truth is this. God's word is the only word that can be trusted. If you try to live your life by any other counsel, you will be defeated and the consequences are not going well for you. Every time God gives you a command, He's giving you guardrails for safety. And so they disobey the command. They don't believe God's word. And then here's the fourth lie. Compromise is less costly than obedience. I mean, obedience is so hard. It costs me so much to obey. I mean, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I just don't know if I can do it. It's going to cost me money. It's going to cost me time. It's going to cost me embarrassment. It's going to cost me a relationship. It's going to cost me friends. It might cost me my boyfriend. It might cost me my job if I obey. It's so costly. Can't I just compromise? That's what they wanted to do. Let's see what it cost them here. It says in verse 15 that Joshua made peace. Come on, Joshua, you're supposed to be making war with these people. He made peace with them, and he made a covenant with them to let them live, and the leaders of the congregation swore to them. And then in verse 16, 
at the end of three days, after they'd made a covenant with them, they heard that they were actually their neighbors and that they lived among them. Remember how they said, we're, we're, we live such a long, long way away, we're no threat. And turns out they were right around the corner and down the street. And they posed an incredible threat. And so they compromised, they made peace instead of doing what they should have done in the first place. And it says here in uh, verse 17, the people of Israel set out and reached their cities on the third day. Look at verse 18. The people of Israel did not attack them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them, notice, by the Lord, the God of Israel. Then all the congregation murmured against the leaders. So this nation that was so aligned and had so much clarity about their mission and where they were going was now fractured, murmuring and fighting among each other and griping against the leader. And they, Joshua lost the clarity of what they were supposed to do. And it created compromise. He had these people over here that wanted to, to make a covenant, and these people over here that wanted to make war, and now you've got fighting and faction among yourself. The cost was high. And it, notice it says that they made this covenant by the Lord. That is not insignificant. Because one of the Ten Commandments, maybe you've heard of these, one of them is that you should not take the Lord's name in vain. So when Joshua entered into a covenant with them, he used the name of the Lord in the covenant. And then later on he finds out, I never should have done that, but now he's in a predicament. And two wrongs don't make a right. You say, well, why didn't he just break the covenant and wipe them out? Then he would have sinned again. He would have been taking the name of the Lord in, in vain. So now he's got a predicament. That's what sin always does. It puts you, it backs you in a corner where there are no easy answers. It ties knots that are hard to get out of. So if he had, if, if he had made the covenant, he would have sinned, and he did. If he had broken the covenant, now he would have sinned. There's no way out. And so the compromise cost them dearly. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 is a warning to us about making peace and making partnerships and alliances with things that are not aligned with God. He says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. They're not moving in the same direction as you. The yoke, you've seen a yoke in, back in the day, the way you'd get a field plowed was you would take these two oxen and you would put a yoke over them so that they would plow the field together, move at the same pace, move in the same direction. But if you had a strong-willed oxen that wanted to go that way and you had a, another oxen that wanted to go this way and yet they're in the... How much plowing are you going to get done? Not a whole lot. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? Be careful of the partnerships you enter into. Young people, be careful and wise about the relationships that you enter into. And be super careful and wise about the people that you marry. Unless you are equally yoked you will constantly be pulling against one another. And the truth is this, obedience is costly. I'm not going to tell you it's not hard. Obedience is costly, but here's the reality. It is not as costly as compromise. There's a cost either way. Here's the last slide. I should not have to live with unmet longings. 
Now, I'm assuming there's some people in here that have some unmet longings. Is there anybody here that has some longings? You want some stuff that you just can't have? Some desires of your heart? You've prayed that God would provide? Maybe you're single and you want a spouse. Maybe you have a spouse and you'd like God to kill them. It happens. Maybe you're a couple and you'd like to have a child. Maybe you're underemployed. You'd like to have a job. Maybe you live here and you'd like to live somewhere else. Maybe you'd like to make better grades or more money. Maybe you'd like relationships to be better off. Maybe you have a prodigal child that you'd like to see come back. And you think, why isn't God granting this? Maybe you have a disease or a sickness or an illness or a hardship. And you're like, why is God allowing this? Why doesn't God take away this unmet longing? Why doesn't God meet my every need? Do you know the same lie was used here? Do you know what the basis of their whole argument was? They said it over and over, but it's back in verse 8. And they said this, we're here to be your servants. We want to meet all of your wants and needs. You just tell us what to do, and we will help you get there. We'll make your life easier. We're here to serve. And that's the lie of sin. Sin promises to meet your unmet longings. Sin promises to make your life better. And when you believe the lie and try to get sin to serve you, do you know what actually happens? You become the servant of sin. The truth is this. Some of my longings will not be met until I am with Christ in heaven. But if you believe the lie that you can have a life of ease and comfort and success, it will stop your onward progress with God because the first time you meet resistance or the first time you get sick or the first time you're unemployed or the first time you have relational conflict, you're going to lash out at God and think, God, you promised to be my servant. Newsflash, God is not your servant. I want you to see how Joshua resolved the problem. It's fascinating. Look down here at verse uh, 21. So they discover that they'd been deceived. And the leaders said to them, let them live. So they became cutters of wood and drawers of water for all the congregation, just as the leaders had said. And Joshua summoned them and said to them, Why did you deceive us, saying, We are very far from you, and you dwell among us? Now therefore you are cursed, and some of you shall never be anything but servants, cutters of wood, and drawers of water, for the house of our God. Here's the last thing we're going to learn. The enemy is defeated through Christ. I want you to notice what happened. Joshua pronounces a curse on them, which he rightly did, but he let them live. But the only way that they were allowed to live is if they were completely disarmed and they were turned from enemies 
into servants in the house of God. And Joshua gave them two responsibilities. You're going to chop wood and you're going to draw water. Now, why would you need wood in the house of God? And why would you need water? Do you know what happened in the house of God in the place of worship? Part of their worship was sacrifice. It was a bloody event. Innocent lambs were slain. Blood flowed. And they would take those lambs and they would place them on the altar and those lambs would be burned as a burnt sacrifice to God. There was a lot of wood that was needed for the place of worship where the lamb was offered as a sacrifice. And there was a lot of water needed after this whole bloody event took place because you had to clean up the blood. And Joshua said, if you're going to live among us, you're going to get close to the blood. You're going to watch the sacrifice. You're going to get to know this God because you're going to live in the house and you are going to be constantly exposed to the blood of the lamb. And Joshua, I believe, a little speculation on my part, but I believe Joshua wanted them to eventually serve God, not because they had to, but because they wanted to. God used this whole scenario as an act of redemption for the Gibeonites. God used their deception, and God used this unlawful covenant actually to expose these enemies of God and transform them into servants of God. Do you understand that's exactly what Christ has done for you? Our God is a lion of Judah. Our God is the lamb slain for the sin of the world. His blood flowed to turn you and I from enemies into his servants. You and I are the Gibeonites in the story. And we try to lie and fight against God and and be strategic about how to avoid God. And yet, God has drawn us into relationship and made us his servants, made us his friends. And the enemy has been defeated through Christ. Remember those three enemies that we have? Understand this, Christ has overcome the world. 1 John 5, 4, for everyone who has been born of God. Have you been born of God? Then you overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You enter into a relationship with Christ solely by faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ as you understand that on the cross, he became the sin, the sacrifice for sin. He was the Lamb of God. And because of that sacrifice, we have overcome the world. And Christ has crucified the flesh, that battle and the appetites that we have. Galatians chapter 5 says those who belong to Christ have been crucified with Christ. Our flesh has been crucified. Christ has crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And remember the devil? What a formidable foe he is. But Christ has conquered the devil and so can you. Revelation chapter 12, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser, that's the devil, the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before God and they have conquered him. 
and the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and because they loved not their lives even unto death. They would rather die than disobey because we're just here to serve. Do you have victory in Christ? Is that your story? Do you understand that there's been a time when you were an enemy of God and God has brought you to be a servant through the blood of the Lamb? If that's not your story, then you by faith need to embrace this offer, this sacrifice for your sin. Don't be deceived by the lies of the enemy. Hear the truth of the gospel this morning. One of the lies that Satan has convinced you is that you don't need that. You're a good person. Or you don't need to do that right now. We've got plenty of time. Or you've already done that. You, you grew up in church. You, you went through some spiritual motions. Now, listen, the truth is this, that it's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on your behalf, and it's only by repentance and faith that we have access to the forgiveness and cleansing power of God. You've heard the truth this morning through a crazy story in the Old Testament. But we've got to respond to the truth. Every time you hear the truth, you have an opportunity to believe it or to disbelieve it. Why don't you take this moment right now just to embrace that truth and say, God, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be a servant. And I want to replace those lies that I've been believing. No longer will I believe that you exist to serve me. No longer will I believe that all of my unmet longings are going to be met in this lifetime. Thank you for the power that is available against the world, the flesh, the devil. This morning by faith, I want to walk out of here and continue to make onward progress with you. Father, thank you for what you've said to us today through your word, and I pray that you would empower your people to fight the battle. It's worth it. And God, remind us that disobedience is devastating in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would replace the lies that we've believed with the truth. God, in every circumstance, in every situation, you are greater. You are for us. The victory is ours in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's helpful to study the ways our enemy, Satan, likes to trick God's people into sin. But aren't you thankful for Jesus? He fought the devil for us, and he won. Pastor Trent Griffith has been helping expose the lies of the enemy today. And if you find that you've been buying into the lies of the devil, remember that your hope is in Jesus. Well, if you're looking for a church that is grounded in the truth of God's word, why don't you join us for a worship service at Harvest Bible Chapel? We meet in both Granger, Indiana and St. Joseph, Michigan, and it would be great to have you there this weekend. You can check out our website for service times and campus locations by visiting harvestgranger.org. Well, have you ever felt like you were in a really impossible situation? Like it was going to take a miracle for you to be able to survive? Next week on Resonate, 
Pastor Trent Griffith reminds us that we serve a God of miracles who loves to move on behalf of his children who are crying out to him in faith. Maybe, just possibly, your situation that seems so impossible to you is really easy for God, do you think? Well, I'm Aaron Paulus, and I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonant is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.